First Kings chapter 19. So this month, we've been teaching on a, on a huge series on um, over, overcoming depression. And um, maybe, maybe I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 23 first, because since we didn't, I didn't teach in the first service last week, um, I, I want to just bring it to pace today. So Psalm 23, let's, I'm going to come to First Kings 19. Psalm 73. So we're talking about beating depression and societal thoughts. You know, and you know, when we talk about this kind of things, there are people, there are different kind of people. There are people that feel the same as a Christian. Should you even have such kind of thoughts at all? That as a Christian, why should you be depressed? Why should you be suicidal? Some people feel like same. Some other people feel as same. If you are so sad and depressed, there's really nothing you can do about it. Both are extremes. One, as a Christian, Jesus did not say you will not have tough times. He only says that when you have tough times, trust me that you'll come out of it. That's what he said. You know, and all of you that, you know, sometimes all of you come to church. When you come to church, there are people that are always smiling, always happy, always giving testimonies. You know them, right? Do you know people like that? In the cell, always happy, always giving testimonies. Let me tell you the truth. Sometimes we just hate you. Praise God. Sometimes we just hate you. We're like, why does this guy make us feel as if we don't serve the same God? Because every time you ask him, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing ever wrong in the life. He's always one testimony that I almost got duped. I was not duped. I bought this car for half price. Oh my God. I, I didn't thought I would have a child. I have a child. Always good, good testimonies. I, and you want me that? I, 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 both of us are praying in the name of Jesus. And sometimes, when they say, is it a testimony? And that brother says, I have a testimony in your mind. You go, can just go strike him down. Praise God. <laughs> and the reason why you feel like that in your mind is this. Because you've got, you've got so much that when that person begins to testify of the goodness of God, it almost makes you feel pain as if your own God is not faithful. And just last week, we read a story about someone that jumped on Todd Bridge and jumped into the ocean. And someone said, well, he's an unbeliever. But just earlier this year, I think there was a story on either Bella, Nigeria, one of those blogs, about a certain pastor, Andrew, in California, that died and left three boys, and left three boys you know, alone and, and, and just killed himself. This is a pastor, a pastor of a very large church. The worst thing about depression is this. Sometimes it doesn't show your face you are depressed. And that's why you hear someone kill themselves. Like, how? What happened? How did that happen? And the other thing about depression is this. Somehow, it's like culturally irrelevant to be depressed. You can, when you tell people that you're unhappy, people always have like, get over it. They don't even know what's wrong with you. They don't even know how that makes you feel. And when they say get over it, sometimes they think they're helping you, but they just drive in the pain furthermore. Because you're like, do you, you, you sometimes, you, you know someone cannot help you, but you need them to validate your feeling. Glory to God. So let's read about Psalm 73 and you know, we'll go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And let's read the story of David. I, I went through this very tough time. The Bible says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are of a clean heart. But as for me, this is David speaking, but as for me, my sleeps were almost gone. My steps had nearly slipped. David said, I was well over like almost backsliding. He said, why? He said, for I was envious 
at the, he said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, when he says the prosperity of the foolish or the foolish of the wicked, he's really, in the Old Testament way, he's referring to people that are not born again or not close to God. He said, what got me angry was this. He says, when I, he said, I was envious at the foolish. What about the foolish? When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He, you know what David said? This is, this is a good scenario. I, I, I don't know if you know this. But sometimes you can come across a Christian girl that is 35, that is a virgin since school. She has done nothing because they told her that if you can keep yourself, God will give you a great husband. She's like holy unto the Lord. And meanwhile, she has this roommate, Laquida. Laquida is Shinene's younger sister. Praise God. You know, and, 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 you know, and, and that one will always party, do everything. In year one, she had an abortion and told her. Year two, she had an abortion. Year three, she had an abortion. And this lovely sister, Christina, the way you are going, who will marry you? Oh, will you be able to have a child? And all of those things. And year four, they left school. You know, she had had four abortions in university alone. Those were the ones that she told her, not the ones she did not tell her. All of a sudden, they leave school, they parted ways, and they come back five years after. And when they come back five years after, she sees this Lequida, Shinene's sister, holding a baby, and she's pregnant again with her lovely husband in his hands. And this guy is a very nice Christian. And Shinene looks at her and be like, hey, how are you doing, my sister? Are you married now? I said, no, yes. Yeah, my God, my God will do it for you. And you're like, how dare you pray for me? Because, and you leave that place in an instant. Do you know something? Why a lot of people are celebrating weddings on Saturdays, a lot of men and women are crying at home. Because every time someone gets married, it's not as if they don't feel happy for the person. They're just saying that, Lord, wait, what about my own? Do you know what it means? When, <laughs> when, when your non-tightening friend, when your non-praying friend begins to buy a Range Rover, begins to aggressively advance in life, and you, that you are a church person, you have even invited him to church, you, you know, your life is not going anywhere. And David said, when I looked at the foolish, he said, I almost slept. And if you have not had this experience in your life, then you are a strange fellow, praise God. There's something wrong with your life. It's too perfect to be human. Someone said, do pastors also get depressed? Oh my God. I, I, <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you that, you know, as a man of God, when depression comes, I know the word. Sometimes for weeks, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. You know, for a pastor, it's worse. Because when you have a problem at work, you come to church for God to respond to you. If God doesn't respond to you, you seek a pastoral attention for prayers. When a pastor has a problem, who does he go to? Who does he go to? So David said, when I saw the prospect of the wicked, he said, I was, he said, I almost backslidden. Let's read what he said again. You know, he said in verse 4, there is no band in their debt. Their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. It seems as if nothing is wrong with them. See what it says here. Huh. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly that prosper in this world. They are increasing riches. And he says something. He said, verily have I cleansed my heart in what? How many of you have felt before that you're serving God Praying, fasting, tithing, offering is in vain. 
You've, it has crossed your mind before. Wave your hands. All those are lying. You are sinning. You know why I said so? If you have felt that way before, you are not the first person to feel that way. See what David said here. David said, there was a time I just felt it was a waste of time. Firstly, let me help you. First thing, just perspective. This is what has helped me. Three things. Number one, I don't serve God for things. That's the first thing. So, it's not what it does and it doesn't do. You know, I don't serve God for things. I serve God because he loves me. I serve God because life is Christ is worth it. I serve God because there's an eternal hope and future. That means when I die here, there's a place to go to that is bigger than car, bigger than wife, bigger than husband. The second reason is this. So, I, 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 sometimes it's difficult, but I try to separate my serving God from the blessings of God. And that's what the place that Job came to. Job said something powerful in the book of Job. Job said, even if he slays me, he said, yet I will trust him. You know what I'm saying, so? If you tie your seven God to blessing, your faith will be taken away very soon. How come some people have stopped praying, some fasting, some have some tightening? And the reason is simple. They were believing God actively for something, and that thing did not happen, and that thing shook their faith and overthrew their faith. And though they come to church, there is no active faith in their hearts again because all their Christianity was tied to something. The second thing you need to know is this. So number one, I don't serve God for things. Number two, the second thing you need to know is this. God did not say that you will not have troubles. He says in Isaiah 42 verse 2, he says when you, verse, Isaiah 43 verse 2, he says when you go through the fire, it will not burn you. He says you will go through the fire, but it will not burn you. He says in Psalm 23, he said though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Being a Christian does not exclude you from tough times. He only gives you assurance that God is in it with you. It only gives you assurance that because God is in it with you, it will turn to a testimony that because you're a Christian will exempt you from tough time. That's false doctrine. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, though I walk through, I'm going to have to walk through. Because the first thing people say is that, Lord, why is this happening to me? The question is the fact that, listen to me, Satan only attacks where there's treasure. You didn't get that. Let me rub it in. Have you seen thieves that go and rob a hospital? Have you ever seen thieves rob a hospital? Because what they want to, what, they, what are the treasures? It's only dead bodies and human beings and syringes are in the hospital. They're starting to steal. Have you heard about thieves robbing banks? Yes or no? Because there's something to steal in the banks. So when Satan launches an attack against you, it's because there's something valuable that you're carrying. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So let's go over to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible says in verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withhold how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Because before now, Elijah had called on fire and killed all the prophets. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me. And moreover, 
if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So he was threatening Elijah and saying, Elijah, I'm going to come and kill you. And you know, and when he threatened Elijah, me knowing Elijah from what I've read in the Bible, I thought Elijah was going to laugh it off. Because Elijah was an anointed man of God. You don't understand? This man sequentially declared that there will be no rain in Israel. This man sequentially called down fire, rather, from heaven. So see what the Bible says here. So the Bible says here, when Jezebel sent this man to Elijah, <laughs> the Bible says, and when he saw it, he arose and fled for his life. I was shocked. First of all, what does the Bible mean when the Bible says, and when he saw it? Let's stop on the word when he saw it. This is very powerful. The Bible says, and when he saw it. Question, what did he see? You know what? <laughs> Have a look up here. We look with our eyes, we see with our minds. What did he see? When he saw the picture of death, he took off. What happens to you is not, impo- is not as important as how you see it. Let me say it again. What has happened to you is not as important as how you see it. Because the way you see it is perspective. The way you see it is interpretation. The way you see it is what affects you. The Bible says when he saw it. That's what the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know why? How you see things can be through your natural eyes or through the eyes of faith. He says and when he saw it. So what did he see? What Jezebel said was one thing. What he saw was death. What he saw was the end. What he saw was pressure. I know you've lost your job, but how do you see that loss of a job? I know you're going through a terrible time in your marriage, but how do you see that terrible time in your marriage? I know that things are very tough in your finances, but how do you see that face in your life? The Bible says, and when he saw it, glory to God. You know why? Perspective will make the difference. Sometimes the difference between some that will depress you and some that will encourage you is just perspective. Everybody saw Goliath and said, we can't fix him. David said, I can't miss him. Everybody saw Goliath and said, he's so big that we can't fix him. David said, he's so big, I can't miss him. Everything is perspective. The same thing that is depressing you right now is the reason why someone is thanking God and having a testimony. Glory to God. I said glory to God. When Lazarus was about to die, they sent people to Jesus Christ. And Jesus looked at Lazarus and said, this sickness is not unto death. Nobody understood that. That's what, how we saw it. The child that was dead already. The Bible says when the child was dead, they came to, they came to meet Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, the child is sleeping. Other people said, the child is dead. That's how we saw it. It's not what you see that matters. It's how you see that matters. How are you seeing? How are you seeing? Glory to God. So number one, depression is perspective-based. What is depressing is not what happened to you. What is depressing you is how you see it. Depression is what? Perspective-based. That's the first thing. So what are the causes of depression? Number one, unanswered prayers. Have you ever prayed about something and it takes forever for it to happen? 
You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says hope deferred makes what? The heart sick. Do you know what it prays to get a visa and for five years you are still on that prayer? Do you know what it prays to get a job and for three years you're on that, on that thing? Do you know what it prays to get capital and for six months you have not gotten capital? When our church started, three months after our church started, we didn't have money to pay for the venue. Because, you know, some of you, you, know, some of you are here and you're like, you know, all those pastors can say these things because they have real problems. You don't understand. When our church started, we didn't have money to pay for the venue. How much was it for the venue? It was 3000 naira per service, 12000 naira per month. We didn't have the money. And I came to our church and I said, hey, church, we have a problem. We don't have money to pay for the venue. And we'll have to stop midweek services. And when I made the announcement, guess what? Nobody in our whole church got angry and said, Pastor, how much is it? Here's the check. Let's continue. Everybody kept quiet. I said, I didn't say something. I said, okay, close down the midweek service. Do you know I felt? I felt in my heart like, God, do we have to beg you to provide money for your own work? I've never felt in your heart before that, God, what I'm asking you is chicken change. Why is this so difficult? Lord, I fasted and prayed. What I'm asking is nothing. Like, Lord, what I'm asking you, if you do it, you everyone will even know you have done something. Have you been there before? Where you're like, God, see, I'm not asking for huge miracles. I'm asking for a tiny miracle. And if you're not careful, you will, you will come to a point, see, you will come to a point that you're going to depression because of unanswered prayers. And let me say something to you. There are many of your friends and many people in this service that the reason why you have become disconnected a bit from God is because of an unanswered prayer. You prayed for God to save a marriage. You prayed for God to save a relationship. You prayed about a travel decision. You prayed about a job. You prayed about finances. And it all fell apart. It all fell apart. And see, ask yourself, how come I don't believe in fasting? So when they say, this is the year of new things, you never say amen again. Some of you, literally, if you had the way, you say that, December 31st, pastor, you said this is my year. I didn't see any year. Because of an answer prayer, the second reason why people are depressed is this. <laughs> because of unfulfilled goals. Sometimes it could be a relationship goal. Someone says, well, I, I hope to get my own house in 2018. And you don't get it. Look at Anna. The Bible says, Anna held her husband and said, give me a child or I will die. Because she had the dream that she was going to get pregnant and have a baby. That was her dream. And as you sit down in this service today, there are people under the sound of my voice. Your heart is breaking because you're going through a tough time. He only went good clothes to cover it up. Your heart is breaking because it seems as if all your friends have left you and have gone ahead of you. And by the way, even though your friends have left you and ahead of you, does not mean they're number one. You know why? Our race is different. You can't compare my race to your race. We may be age mates, but are we grace mates? Glory to God. I said glory to God. John the Baptist came before Jesus Christ, but he was not ahead of Jesus Christ. Their race was different. 
How do you know if you're depressed? Number one thing you see, when you're depressed, you'll get into a place of helplessness. That's what you see. When people are depressed, they get into a place of helplessness. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's keep reading verse 3. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3, And when he saw it, he arose, and when he arose, he went for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he, but he himself went a day's journey. Let me just stop there quickly, please. The Bible says, he says, And when he arose, he went for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Number one, huh, isolation precedes destruction. You know what I'm saying? So, when you begin to go through a tough time, this is what most people do. They begin to withdraw from people. Listen to me. The one that wants to destroy you has made you begin to withdraw from people. I don't know if you know this. When, when animals are going, in a, in a, in a, you know, are going together, moving together, some animals are moved together, this is how um, a predator attacks them. When they look at all the animals moving together, you know what they look for? They look for the animal that is lagging behind. You know why? He's most likely the weak one. Because if they want to attack all the animals, they look for the best spot. When you start isolating yourself, you become a sweet prey for Satan. So you see people, they will just cut off from self. Cut off from their friends. Cut off from family. I just want to be alone. Listen to me. They are already dressing you, putting salad cream on you for chop chop. Why am I saying this to you? Because isolation is... Isolation precedes destruction. Isolation predicts, pre, sorry, isolation precedes destruction. All of a sudden, Elijah used to have people with him. He used to have prophets with him. He used to have other people with him. All of a sudden, Elijah said, let me leave everybody. Let me start going by myself. You know why? Because when you leave other people and start going by yourself, the voice in your head begins what? To be magnified. Why do you stop going to sell? Why did you shut off from departments? Because you just want to isolate. Why did you stop coming to church? Why did you stop coming to a church where they know you, where they can ask after you? Why? Because you just want to isolate. And you don't know that Satan is preparing you for destruction. The next, the next verse, please. Verse 4. The Bible says, And he himself, um, verse 4, And he himself went a day's journey by himself into the wilderness and came and sat down on the juniper tree and requested for himself that he may die. Did you see that? Why do people become suicidal? This is Elijah, a man of God. What did Elijah do? The Bible says, Elijah said that he may die. What did he say? And he said, it is enough. Oh, it is enough now, oh God. Take my life and for I'm not better than my father. He said, Lord, it is enough. Why do people become suicidal? Because they just can't take the emotional pressure of the pain they're going through. Everybody's asking them, where is your husband? Where is your child? Where is your job? Where is your car? People are asking them questions that bring about heat to their soul. Their soul is, their soul is burning within. They look at their life and there's so much pressure and they say, it's enough. They stay on their bed and they cry and cry and cry and cry. And when they cry, nobody's seen them cry. Do you know what? Have you ever felt pain that burns like fire within your chest before? That's real pain. If you think beating someone affects them, they're they're more superior pain. When, When it's like someone just took fire 
and put it in your chest and close it back up. And you're like, oh, you, you, you want to cry because, because you've gone through so much pain. That pain can be from a betrayal. That pain can be from disappointment. Do you know what it means? When you believe God for a job and the list comes out and every other person's name was there, including people you were praying for and your own name was not there. Do you know what it means when three sisters behind you are married and you the firstborn, you are not married? Do you know the pain? When you give and sow, you give and sow, believing God for specific breakthroughs and those breakthroughs don't show up. And you are wondering, God, did I offend you? God, what is my sin? What did I do that you cannot forgive me? What you don't realize is this. Hard times does not mean that God is against you. This is why I say it. The presence of a storm does not mean the absence of a savior. Neither is the silence of the master the denier of the master. Oh my God. Can I give it to you today? Every time the teacher is silent, it's because he trusts that the answer will come out from you. Have you noticed during examination, your teacher is there. We're not answering questions because he's expecting that I've taught you enough. He's expecting you'll have enough. He's expecting you'll carry enough to deliver. There's something you have that can make this thing happen and he's just watching you to do it. And though you're struggling, he will come to you. Look at your answer sheet. Look at the question. Smile and walk away. You know what that smile is? You'll have it. You will deliver. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Look at, him, look at him and say, you have it, you will deliver. So why do people feel the pressure? See, you don't know the pressure when you look at the person. You don't know the pressure that comes from relationship. When a man that told you, I love you, I will die for you. You've told your friends how wonderful he is. You've, made a, you, you've adjusted your life to him. And one day out of the blues, he looks at you and says, I'm not good enough for you. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, thank you. You feel like... He said, I know that's what I'm managing you. Like, no, that's not what I mean. I'm not good enough for you. I want to release you to find the one that is better than me. And like, see, even if I'm not good enough, I've accepted not good enough. Even if you are 50%, I'm okay with 25%. Do you know the pain? When marriage has to bring you joy because what begins to damage your soul gradually. When the person you love begins to say words that hurts you deep within. Do you know the pain where there are things you want to be able to afford and yet you cannot afford them? And sometimes life becomes overwhelming. You know, there's a, there's a guy I used to know. I used to, when we were younger, we had this kind of fellowship where I used to attend. His name is Yinka. And he, he, he was living in New York. And when I just got a call, I said, hey, he said, he said, you know what happened to Yinka? I said, what happened to him? He said, Yinka jumped off like a 40-story building and killed himself. And, and, and why do people kill themselves? They just get to the point where they become hopeless and helpless. See, someone say, how do I know if I'm hopeless and helpless? When well, you cannot see a brighter future, you have become hopeless and helpless. Someone say, how do I know if I'm becoming hopeless and helpless? Listen, one of the signs of, one of the signs of depression is hopelessness and helplessness. 
But how do you know if you are there? When a time comes in your life where you cannot see a brighter future than where you are right now, you can see a brighter future than the state of doom that you are right now. Things have become really bad. And some of you, when you think of your future, that's why people kill themselves. Why do people kill themselves? Because they just wonder, the future cannot be better than this. It's really good if I end it right now and forget it. Glory to God. I said glory to God. What are the signs of depression? You just lose, understand of depression, you just lose interest. Just lose interest. So all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're active at work, your, your work, your work stuff just start dropping. You just lose interest. When they say, let's go to church, you say, what church? This was you before that we organized two or three people, pick them up. Your friend said, let's go to church. I'm not going to church today. Why have you lost interest? Because you are, you've entered into depression. You know where Elijah was? Elijah was the guy that confronted Ahab and said, Toss here the Lord. This was the guy. But now he could no longer say, Toss here the Lord. He was running. Why? He had lost interest. You know what he said? He said, Lord, I'm tired. I, see, I'm not better than my father's. He said, Lord, I've done my own. I've done my I'm tired. Ah, I'm tired. Have you heard those words before? Wife looks at the husband. I'm tired. Husband looks at wife. I'm tired. You get to the office. You're tired. And it's not as if you're tired to work. It's that energy, zest, has just left you alone. This tiredness is not from physical energy. It's from within. And you just get to work. And when you're tired, you're just tired of trying. Oh my God. You're just tired of trying and trying and trying and seeing no commensurate results. And you come to a place where you just feel totally depleted. As we conclude this morning, See, this is, next week I'm going to share with you something very powerful. Lord, I'm praying, but things are getting worse. What do I do? Lord, I'm praying, but things are what? Getting worse. Because I wish I could tell you I don't have those experiences. How do I overcome this? Let's read James chapter 1. Uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 2. Are you there? Are you there? Why are you quiet like that this morning? Are you there? Yes, sir. And she wants to go. See, the word temptation there, the way it's, the way it's rendered is not, it's not, it can't say temptation, meaning sinful temptation. That means that uh, if you commit adultery, count it joy. No. If you, if you, if you do so, count it joy. It didn't say so. Temptation there is an old English word meaning tough times, trials. You know what God says? God says, when you go through, through tough times, it's a count it 
as joy. What does that mean? When you go through tough times, say joy one. You know why? Why can you count it as joy? Because trials are a function of perspective. So, you lost a job, count it as joy. He said, count it as joy. See, instead of you to allow that thing to depress you and make you weak, what is it? Count it as joy. Count it as joy. You look on Instagram, your friend is finding a private jet. You don't even have a visa to go to Ghana. Say, praise God. I'm coming soon. Praise God. Count it. See, that should make you feel sad like you're, you're such a failure. Say, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm manifesting. Praise God. You, you look online and see your friend getting married. You see the diamond ring on her finger. And you're like, she's flaunting it like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You know, and she say that. See, I, I, I want to feel sad. Count it as joy. You come to church and there's car dedication. And people just pack, you know, X class and pack E class and pack Range Rover. And you just walk past and you're walking with your leg at these bends, you know. And, and Satan says, look at your life. People that are not even your age, me, they are younger than you. They are blessing their car. Where is your own car? Look at your shoes and say, praise God. I'm cutting as joy. You know what? It could have been worse than this. Bible says, count it as joy. What does that mean? The things that should bring you depression, see the joy, testimony in them. Just a simple song that can help you. Simple Yoruba song that can help you. You know, you know what that means? Only song that is alive can praise you, O oh God. The people that are dead don't care about some things. Either they lost money or they owe a bank. Do they care about that? Death has come. It's finished. Praise the Lord. Let me read one more scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 17. Huh, verse 16. Let's start from verse 16. This is powerful. Oh, glory to God. Let me, let me take my Bible with me. Whoa. This is good. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, see what, see what the apostle said. He said, for this cause, we faint not. This is the reason why we are not depressed. This is the reason why we are not suppressed. This is the reason why we don't give up. This is the reason why we do not cave in. He said, for this reason, we faint not. Why? Though our outward man perish. He said, yet the inward man is renewed, what? Day by day. Why? For our light affliction. Hallelujah. He looks at what you're going through and he says it's a light affliction. He looks at the tough times. He says it's a light affliction. He said for a light affliction, which is what? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. No matter how bad it is, it's for a moment. That means it will come. It will come. This house will come. No husband will come. No child will come. No money will come. He says our light affliction he is bought for a moment. But not only there. He's working for us an exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. Somebody say hallelujah. What's wrong with you? Nothing. It's working for me. It's working. 
It's working. It's working. I, I know things are tough, but it's working out. Hallelujah. I know things are challenging, but it's working out. I, I refuse to give in to depression. I'm overcoming depression in the name of Jesus Christ because it's for a moment. It's my light affliction. Stand on your feet. Let us pray. Glory to God. Lift up your hands and thank him because you are victorious. Go ahead and thank him. Tough times will not last. God's word will overcome. And Father, Amen. As we pray today, let's believe God. I want to ask people that are going through depression, having suicidal thoughts, I want to agree with you in prayer. And where you're standing, will you lift up your hands? I want to pray for you. See, look at me, everybody. Let me tell you something. When I say I want to pray for you, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself. Because sometimes, we don't know. And it's just okay to let people know that I'm struggling. Paul said, see what Paul said in that verse. 2 Corinthians 4. What did he say? What did he say? 2 chapter 4, verse 17. See what Paul said. Paul said, our light affliction. You know what he did not say? He didn't say, your light affliction. He said, it's our. He said, I'm going through it also. A Paul could go through it. And that's why, see, all of you that are here tonight, this morning, you need to find people to talk to. Go find time and go to cell this evening. Let me, I, I was so happy when I heard about how people were breaking out and crying in cells and how cell members got together and began to pray over people. I was so glad when I heard that. Don't struggle alone. One, what you share, someone can have the answer. Two, as you share, you become relieved. Three, as you share, other people can carry the burden for you. I say isolation precedes what? Destruction. You have isolated for so long because of your problem. Don't be destroyed. If you're going through depression, suicidal thoughts, will you raise up your right hands? Let's pray together. All of that, no reason up your hands. Will you just join the rest of us to pray for all our friends this morning? And Lord, we're praying for everyone that is going through a very tough time that is causing depression, because suicidal thoughts. The first thing I ask you is that you grant them strength to grow through this period and have a testimony. And I pray the word of God over them that this light affliction will be for a moment. And the weight of glory will show very soon. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You can have your sir.